And we are live. This is the Wrap It Up On Blast Raps Post Game Show. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and thank you for joining me here live on this show that streams on Twitter after each and every Raptors game at Shell Alexander. Please, if you see that link, click on it, and you can join in the conversation on Periscope. Just send us your questions. And I will try to answer them. Your comments, what you think of this game. As Raptors win yet another one. Also, I'd like to welcome the people watching along on Instagram. There you can also just send your comments and concerns. I'll try to get to all your comments as the show moves along. But yes, we are here on the Wrap It Up Raps Post Game Show with a familiar story. That familiar story being another Raptors win. Toronto Raptors, 125. Washington Wizards. 107. This was a great game, a very good basketball game, an up and down game for the Toronto Raptors, but one that I think shows us a lot of what this team is made of. This team is very deep. This team can come at you in waves. They can score in so many different ways, but you look at what this Raptors team's done and you get flashes of what they're capable of doing. And it's kind of scary. We talked about at the start of the year just what this season could be for the Toronto Raptors, and here we are again, because the Raptors have now won four in a row to improve to 16-4, and four, which is their best start in franchise history through 20 games. And the way that they've got there, if you think about it, right? The games that they've lost so far this season. You have a game against the Boston Celtics, which could have went either way. It was like a crazy performance by Kyrie Irving to win that game, right? You have another loss to the Pelicans where, you know, it's Etwan Moore and Drew Holiday just shooting the lights out. And, of course, Anthony Davis doing Anthony Davis things. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it took some pretty, some pretty big-time things to happen for the Raps to lose. And so when you look at a game like this when, finally, I mean, this is as close as they're going to be for a while because Norm's still banged up. But for the most part, you're playing at full strength. And at this point, this is where you see how dangerous this Toronto Raptors team can be because they came out against the Washington Wizards early and they hit them hard early. The Raptors just got out to a quick early lead. Again, they're back at full, almost full force. Kawhi was back, OG was back, CJ Miles is back. And so your starting lineup for this game, you had Kyle with Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal, and JV against a, a, a Wizards team that, normally gets up for the Raptors, right? Like, they always get up for the Raptors. We know the history of these two teams. The Wizards obviously swept the Raptors a few years back. The Raptors got some form of revenge last season with a hard-fought six-game uh, victory in the playoffs last year. But these two teams, like, things get a little spicy. But I think tonight was a sign that this Toronto Raptors team is not the same team that this, the Wizards are used to, Right? The Wizards already lost to the Raptors this year without Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard obviously playing in this game. And they got a full dosage of Kawhi Leonard in this one. If we're going to talk MVP and who kind of our king of the court was, definitely Kawhi Leonard. A great performance from him. 27 points on 12 of 22 shooting. Also add in 10 rebounds. But it's the way that Kawhi Leonard gets his buckets. It's so interesting to me just because... He had a couple plays where he's grabbing rebounds or getting a turnover on the defensive end and just taking it coast to coast. There are very few players in this league that are that good 
or that great at being a two-way player. And he shows that off in a crazy fashion night after night after night. And his offensive game, I don't, it, it's just so polished at times, right? And you could tell right away, I think it was a, the last game Kawhi Leonard played. We talked about it on the pod. Kawhi didn't look like he had him, right? He looked kind of like he was moving a step slow, didn't really have the lift on his jumper, and he still played a pretty solid game. This game to me was kind of the opposite because Kawhi early, he just came out blazing and the shot that he hit, I think it was, it was maybe his first or second basket he hit, which was a turnaround over, I think one of the Morris twins, whichever one plays on the Wizards. Cause if you follow this podcast, you know, I don't really, I can't tell them apart, but anyways, the shot was so wet. Like it didn't even, it didn't even come close to hitting the rim. It was just bottom of the mesh. The swish was just so crazy that you could hear it on the the microphone rim. Kawhi Leonard is a problem. And when you look at what this Raptors team was missing, this Raptors team was good last year. This Raptors team was deep last year. But they were just missing that top-level talent, and that's what takes them to that next gear. Because the game of basketball sometimes, I say this a lot, but sometimes it's really simple, right? Your depth matters because it can keep you in a lot of games. It can, you know, night in and night out, if you have depth in the NBA, you'll be in a lot of games. You have a great chance to win a lot of games, right? But then there's times where the other team makes a run. There might be times where your team's shorthanded. There might be times where you're on the road in Boston, and you need your star player to be your star player. And in this game, not only the fact that Kawhi Leonard scored 27 points because that was amazing, 10 rebounds, a dope double-double for Kawhi Leonard, but to me, there's spurts where he's guarding John Wall, right? He's guarding the other team's point guard. Like, that's massive. That's another side of the game that we don't really pay enough attention to and give enough credit to. But also, when Kawhi was getting his buckets, it was at a time where the Raptors had blown a 16-point lead, Washington ended up on this crazy run in the third quarter to actually take the lead in this game. And all of a sudden it was Kawhi and Kyle. Got to give Kyle a lot of credit too because he really led that charge, but Kawhi just took over. He couldn't be stopped. He was a force on both ends of the floor. But for Washington to get back in this game, a lot of it was due to the fact that the Raptors couldn't buy a bucket. But when they needed it, here comes Kawhi. Can't be stopped. It was just a great performance and also just seeing why, like, the biggest difference between what this Raptors team was and what this Raptors team can be with such great top-level talent. Now, as I talk about the differences between the Raptors that we've seen the past few years, being Kawhi Leonard in comparison to DeMar DeRozan, the one thing that has stayed the same is the strength of this team being the bench mob. Tonight was a night where we saw what the bench mob is and like why they're also so important because other teams can't sustain the waves right like this game started with the raptors giving the washington wizards giving them that first blow but now the wizards take that and they can handle that and everything's cool and they make it back but now you got to handle the wave from the fresh bench mob coming off the bench and they're the bench mob coming off the bench yeah good job but you know what i'm saying though right it's like the Raptors just keep coming. And if you think that, you know, you're getting it from Kawhi, you're getting it from Kyle, and then those guys take a seat and you think, okay, maybe we can make a run now against the, the second unit. No, that's not the case. Especially on nights like tonight, Fred Van Fleet, again, I know 
it's not all the time that the numbers are going to show Fred Van Fleet's impact on the Raptors bench unit and also just on their overall game. It's just the way that he controls the bench mob, how he 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 brings tempo to the game. And that's what really makes a difference on this team because the Raptors bench now, you got to think what a lot of other teams try to do with their benches not being as strong. They'll try to have one of their starters stay on with their bench and that starter is able to take advantage of the other team because the other team's players aren't good. At least typically, that's the way things work in the NBA. But when you have a bench like the Toronto Raptors, there's no rest, right? If you're, if you're uh, John Wall or you're Bradley Beal and you're getting minutes as a primary guy with your bench, but you're going up against OG Ananobi, that's not a chance for you to rest, Right? OG is a capable starter in this league. Is he a top-line starter? That's debatable, right? Like, is he at the top point? That's that's debatable, right? But I think we can assume, we can safely say that there are a lot of teams in the NBA that OG and Anobi would be a starter on. And so now, instead of John Wall or Bradley Beal being able to take advantage of some bench guy, you have a guy like OG, and they also now, OG's guarding up, but he's also a threat on the offensive end. OG with 15 points tonight and his three-point shot is starting to look so much better and so much more consistent than it was last year. Three of five from beyond the arc tonight. OG Ananobi in 19 minutes, he put up 15 points. But if you just look, you had four guys on your bench that scored in double figures and then CJ Miles finished with nine. I know CJ Miles didn't really have a good shooting night, but give it time, right? He'll work his way back. He's too good of a shooter to continue this bad streak. But the reason why I'm confident that CJ Miles would CJ Miles will find it because it's basketball, just the way things work, right? Sometimes it takes people a little longer than others to get in their rhythm. And a great example of that might be Fred Van Fleet. Freddie's been playing well as of late. And I bring this up as why Freddie is doing so well as of late, because we always think that these games against, you know, the, uh, the Bulls or the Hawks don't matter, right? Or, you know, we focus so much on, oh no, Kawhi's not playing. Why isn't Kawhi playing? But you don't look at the positive side of these things. And the positive side of Kawhi needing to rest on the second night of a back-to-back -back is that it gives guys like Fred Van Fleet, who have been struggling, it gives them a chance to try to find some rhythm. And we're seeing that now because once Freddie gets the start because Kawhi is sitting out, Freddie starts to get more confidence. He starts to find his shot. He starts to find his rhythm. And then now when Kawhi comes back and Freddie goes to the bench mob, then it's a real problem. How many teams can say you have Freddie, DeLon, OG, and Serge all scoring in double figures, making it look easy? There's not many teams in the league that could do that. Have four guys coming off their bench and doing that? That's crazy. The depth of this Toronto Raptors team remains its strength. And as I go to Instagram here, I see uh, my guy C. Brown says, bet the bench mob was cooking early tonight. It's the truth. When the bench mob is cooking, there's very few teams that will be able to stay with the Toronto Raptors. And by very few, I'm saying maybe three teams in the league. I'm not, that's not hyperbole. That's not gas. That's, we've seen it now for what, two straight years? Last year, the strength of the Raptors, I was saying it all last year, and I'll remind you of it again. Last year, the strength of the Toronto Raptors, the reason why they had the best regular season in franchise history last year was because of the bench mob. The bench mob comes in, and they're either, they're either able to, hey, make up a deficit, 
or take a five-point lead and make that a 10-point lead. But either way, they're coming out with energy, and they're definitely better than other teams' benches, and in some cases, they're better than other teams' starters. So it's a real, real strength. And now when you combine that with the top-tier talent of someone like like Kawhi Leonard or on nights like this where Kyle Lowry's also playing at his all-star potential, again, there's very few teams that can beat this Toronto Raptors team. And again, by very few, I mean like two or three teams. That's not hyperbole. That is real, real talk. Toronto Raptors, again, just to recap for those joining us right now, 125-107, Raptors win their fourth game in a row, improved to 16-4, and the best start in franchise history. And the other part to mention about this game, Raptors came out gunning early, but they were gunning from three the entire night. They hit a season-high 17 threes in this game. 17 threes. If the Raptors are shooting at that level, there's I'm going to repeat myself again. There's few teams that can shoot at that level and keep up with the Raptors, right? But to me, you look at it and, and you're spacing it out, right? Look at the amount of people on the Raptors tonight that hit at least two threes. You had DeLon Wright had two threes. Fred Van Fleet had three threes. OG, three threes. Danny Green, three threes. Kyle Lowry, two threes. That is crazy. That is crazy production from beyond the arc. And the Washington Wizards, are they just can't keep up. They can't keep up. And I know a lot of... The, the Wizards have been getting a lot of flack. Obviously, they've been a huge gong show of a story to start the year. There's a lot going on. It's been multiple years in a row of just chemistry being the major problem with this team. And it's sort of been coming to a head this season. It didn't start off on the right foot at all with John Wall in the preseason being asked about his commitment, his workout regimen, how much he's been partying. Like the signs were there from the preseason that there was trouble ahead for the Wizards, right? Now you're talking about trouble in practice. And you're talking about John Wall swearing at the coach. You're talking about Bradley Beal talking about, you know, or getting mad at the GM because it's just been constant chaos each and every year for this team. But watching them tonight, you see flashes that they have good players, right? Like, I know on the last podcast I did with Webby on our uh, Ball on Blast podcast, which if you haven't checked that out, check it out. It's on the same feed that you'll find this podcast if you just search On Blast podcast. But we talked about the Wizards and we talked about Otto Porter Jr. And is he massively overpaid? Yes. But you see flashes of why, like you could see flashes that's a potential of why they would give him that money, right? Like I, I still wouldn't do it, but I could see why they'd be tricked into thinking, hey, this guy's on a trajectory where he can improve and do blank, right? You see that. The problem is, to me, it's John Wall. And I don't mean to pile on John Wall because I know that's an easy take, but I'm saying just watching the game, watching how John Wall plays, it's just not conducive to success. You look at his stat line tonight, you had 11 points on 13 field goals, right? 11 points on 13 field goals. That's just not going to get it done. And he's a guy that's going to, he's making the big time money on that team, but they're only going to go as far as he takes them. The problem is a lot of his game is very selfish, right? He's just dribbling a lot and not going anywhere. And I think the perfect 
like example to show the difference is if you compare John Wall, watch what John Wall did tonight and watch what Kawhi Leonard did tonight. And what I mean by that is John Wall's just dribbling all over the place, but there's really no purpose behind a lot of his dribbles. Whereas Kawhi Leonard, there's very few wasted dribbles, right? Every dribble has a, has a purpose. He has the ball and there's a decision being made. We saw a run like in that third quarter where Kawhi just took over the game and it wasn't just scoring. He was driving. He had back-to-back possessions where he drove into the lane and found OG for two like beautiful dimes. John Wall, you have shooters around you. You have other skilled players around you. You should be just feasting off assists every night, right? I know you finished. he finished with 11 tonight, but my point is it's on him to really get this team going. And we saw tonight, I think John Wall is a problem. Can you get rid of John Wall? Probably not. But the other part I want to mention in comparing these two teams, and I don't mean to talk so much about the Wizards, but I think the Wizards are a casualty of what the Raptors could have been. And what I mean by that is the Wizards just brought back their same band over and over and over again. And were the Raptors as dysfunctional as the Wizards? No, of course they weren't, right? The Wizards have been dysfunctional for multiple seasons in a row. The Raptors have not been. But what I mean is Masai Ujiri realized that with this core, he got to a point where he thought, you know, we've seen this. Let's try to shake things up. And then he made that big move for Kawhi Leonard. The Washington Wizards, on the other hand, they just kept trying to bring back the same band over and over again because the talent's there, but it's not working. And you got to give it up. And I think the Raptors are a perfect example of what the Wizards should have done or maybe what they should do as we look ahead towards the rest of this season or next season down the line, right? But let's go back to the Raptors for a second because this was a great performance for the Raptors in so many different ways because we're seeing the depth of this team in the sense that coming in, Pascal Siakam was on a tear. Pascal was going for, what, 18 and 7, I think it was, but shooting like 63% from the field over his last, I think, 10 games. That's crazy. He was a key, key part of what was going right for the Raptors over that stretch. Then you look at tonight's game, and you say, okay, well, he's going up against, there's some tough matchups, right? Like Porter Jr. or Oubre. Those are kind of, you know, like athletic, long, bigs, kind of in the same mold of Siakam. And then if you're coming off the bench, you're gonna, it's either going to be Jeff Green or Markeith Morris, right? So Siakam didn't really have that impactful of a night in terms of stats, right? He's only two of five, seven points, still all over the glass with eight rebounds and three assists, but his scoring wasn't there. And were the Raptors phased? No, because again, they're so deep and they have so many guys, and I say this all the time, it's not even the, the purpose of the depth of the Toronto Raptors. It's a, these guys are deep, and they can affect the game in multiple ways. That's what's super important as well, right? I see a lot of things where people are talking about, oh, do you go out and get like uh, uh, Kyle Korver or something like that, right? He's a perfect example of what the Raptors are not. Kyle Korver is a one-dimensional player. So if he's not shooting threes, there's, he's not really affecting the game in any other way, right? We're kind of seeing that with C.J. Miles right now, right? But if you move C.J. Miles out of the picture for a second, right, and you look at all the other guys in the Raptors lineup that get legit minutes, 
Look at Siakam. He didn't really score tonight, but he's still getting eight rebounds. Still has three assists. Add in a block, right? Kawhi Leonard, we've talked about what he does on both ends of the floor. Kyle Lowry obviously gives you scoring. He's setting up the whole team. He's the engine to me that I still think makes this team go. When they're at their highest level, it's because Kyle Lowry's doing a little bit of everything, right? Danny Green. Danny Green, knockdown shooter, but he also plays solid defense, great defense, makes the little plays, right? That little extra swing. Serge Ibaka, great game off the bench. 12 points, nine rebounds, four blocks. I thought he had five blocks, but this box score I'm looking at right now says four. But either way, the point remains. Serge Ibaka does a little bit of everything. OG plays defense. He's starting to expand his game to add that three-point shot. Do you understand the point that I'm making here? The point is, it's not just about the depth, but it's the fact that these guys on the Raptors can affect the game in so many different ways. So even if their shot's not going down, they're still hustle plays. But on top of that, when the shot's not going down, you know what happens? They get bailed out because they got a guy like Kyle Lowry. And when Kyle Lowry is going, right? When Kyle Lowry is on, I just did air quotes for those who, are, who would be listening to this podcast. But Kyle Lowry, when he gets it going, and you, you can tell, right? Like, he gets that two-man game going early with whichever big is starting, whether it's Serge or JV. He has that pick and roll with them going. He, you know, every once in a while, you'll see him dribble, and he continues his dribble underneath the basket, just playing out the defense, trying to find the open guy. But he's Kyle Lowry is the one that will make this team go far. As far as Kyle Lowry is willing to take them, is able to take them physically, that's where this Raptors team is going to go. Because when he's playing at that level, the rest of the offense just keeps flowing like that. The ball movement is crazy. That's how the Raptors got out to this big lead, is because the, the, the tempo, the pace was set from Kyle Lowry. Much like what you see from when Freddie comes in on the second unit, right? They don't lose a beat. The pace keeps going. You can't stop this team when they're running and gunning like that. And then... Shout out to the broadcast. The broadcast made up a good, made a very good point about the fact that, you know, at one point, what was this game tied at? Was it 73? I think it was 73 this, this game was tied at. And all of a sudden, these guys just go on a crazy, crazy run, and they do it starting from the defensive end. And that's still the biggest part, right? Because I'm saying these guys do multiple things, but... A lot of the multiple things include the defensive end of the floor. And when they need stops, Kyle's cheating passing lanes. Surge is there to come up with a huge block and get the crowd going, get the guys, the rest of the guys on the team going, right? Kawhi is able to come up with the big steal. Kawhi, how many top point guards in the league have we seen this year where Kawhi Leonard is guarding them and he just like picks their pocket? Like it's nothing. Like it, when this team is defending... And hitting threes like that, like this, it's crazy. It's really crazy. And I know that at that point when the game was tied, Kawhi acknowledged it too in his post game that, you know, they were blowing a bunch of leads this season. And so they really had to like dig in and make sure that they didn't fall the same fate that they did. Uh, I guess the last home game they played, which would have been Dwayne Casey, the Dwayne Casey game, right? I think in that game, the lead was... 19 points the Raptors blew, a 19-point lead in that game. We've seen them give up leads in, in a bunch of different games, so it was interesting to see them blow the lead, actually be down one, but then regroup behind their two best players, just take over, 
just take control, and the rest is history. Big win for the Toronto Raptors. Um, I saw another comment here. I'm going to go back to the chat. Uh, just having all the options available for Nurse tonight was amazing. Totally. Totally agree with that. And you can play so many different lineups. You can play big or you can play small, depending on what the matchups are on the other side. You know, it was interesting that they started JV in this game. I didn't really know much about the the big guy that uh, Washington ended up starting. Um, but he came out and knocked down some threes early. Or uh, he hit some baskets. But I'm, I'm looking at the two, the two guys in terms of Serge and JV. And I really do think JV would be better served coming off the bench. I mean, it's, it's super interesting just to think about it. And, you know, you have the matchup. You can play. You can play to whoever you're playing against. But I just feel like JV can be the focal point of the bench for the most part. Like, if your fast break offense breaks down, your secondary offense, you could just dump it into JV or run a pick and roll with JV, get them something easy in the paint, right? Speaking, though, of the bench, and to back up C. Brown's point of what Nick Nurse did, pay attention to Nick Nurse's rotations, right? Because it's super interesting, and you'll notice little trends. And one of the things that he's trying to do as of late to get that bench mob cooking at the same level that it was last year is how he uses Pascal Siakam's minutes. What I mean by that is early in the game, Pascal gets a start, but he'll come out early. And the reason why he's coming out early is so that he can get a, a nice chunk of minutes, a nice chunk of time in the second quarter with the bench mob. So again, if you have your bench now, and tonight we saw this, and this was part of the reason why the lead was so crazy. But if you're talking about your bench time, right? Again, Bench time is normally when the other team will have their starter, one of their starters, be the feature scorer with the rest of their bench, right? That's what most other teams' game plans are. They'll have their one starter, so in this case, either Bradley Beal or John Wall will be on the floor with the rest of their bench, and that's kind of their game plan of how to win, right? But in this instance, you're going up against Freddie, DeLon, and Pascal. That's three pretty solid playmakers, then add in Serge Ibaka coming off the bench, right? Who's also having a great year. And then OG, who probably could be starting on your team. The lineups of Raptors, when they're at full strength, they're able to put out, it's just disgusting. And we saw that in full effect tonight. And, you know, you take that punch when, when the Wizards come all the way back, you take that punch and it's okay. Because you know why? When you have your team at this full at this at full strength and they're playing at this high level. Kyle Lowry's only playing 30 minutes in this game tonight. Kawhi Leonard only played 30 minutes in this game tonight, right? Siakam played 26 minutes. Why is that? Because your bench is giving you so much and it allows those guys now that not only are their minutes down, but they're able to give you a hard 30 minutes, right? Because they're going at full tilt. They're not resting. They're not trying. They're not in a position where they're they're worried about having to play close to 40 minutes and having to cheat rest on the court, right? Cheat rest on the court is what I refer to all the time as what you see LeBron do, right? LeBron is resting while he's on the floor. These guys don't have to do that with the way that this bench is playing. When the bench is there at full strength and you have Kyle Lowry 
being uh, playing a hard 30 minutes or you have Kawhi Leonard playing a hard 30 minutes, meaning they can give it everything they have on both ends of the floor for that 30 minutes. That's a great tool for a coach to have. And you're seeing how that pays off when you look at what the damage that this Toronto Raptors team is doing. And then you look at the flip side of it and you, you, you point to that to Washington Wizards. They don't really have that depth. And their top-level talent doesn't match up to the Raptors. So in the end, that's just going to equal an L. Again, send in your comments, questions, concerns, what you thought of this Toronto Raptors game, what you thought about the Washington Wizards. Would you people be interested in trying to trade for Bradley Beal? I know it sounds kind of random, but just because the story's out there that Bradley Beal could be available, right? I don't know. Just a thing. Throwing it out there. Also, I was interested. What did people think about the Raptors uniforms? Tonight was the, uh, I don't know if it was an official Drake night. I don't know if that's a thing. Drake was in attendance tonight, though. And it was an OVO night. And they did wear their, the I don't know, the City Edition jerseys. Is that what Nike's calling them officially? Um, I like the black ones better. The white ones are still nice. The white ones are still nice, but I like the black ones better. And plus, matching it with the court looks hella dope. I still stand by the fact, though. Like, I understand why the jerseys say North, and I understand why they have this whole, like, North over everything, we the North. Like, I understand it, but as a prideful Torontonian, I wish it did say Toronto. I think those jerseys would be so much more fresh if it said Toronto on it. But I get why it says North. And for those, and this is my assumption, but I firmly believe that they make these jerseys say North because they're trying to sell it across Canada. And they don't believe that people in Winnipeg or Edmonton or Vancouver are going to rock something, or they're less likely to rock something that says Toronto. So if you're paying attention... There's a reason why, wow, I'm, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to say it now. I'm looking at something on, I have uh, the sports, sports Center up on my screen, and I just saw Davey Wallace. Uh, I don't know if anyone's watching. That's one of my northern boys, but that just caught my attention because I'm like, why is Davey Wallace on my TV? I got to find that out after her message him. But anyway, sorry, I was talking about the Raptors uniforms. Yeah, I like them, but for people that might not be aware, I think the reason why they have this North thing is because they don't think that people who are from Vancouver or Winnipeg or whatever, they're less likely to rock something that says Toronto. So they've come up with this whole, oh, we'll just make the jerseys say North. Cool, I get it. I just wish they'd say Toronto. Uh, going to comments in Periscope, uh, in reference to my... Uh, Bradley or Bradley Beal question. Someone here on Periscope says, I was actually thinking if we could get Beal. Um, there was a trade that someone was throwing around online that I guess the proposed trade was Bradley Beal for, I think it was, it was Bradley Beal for OG Surge and a number one, something like that. I don't know. Would people be willing to give that up? Is that something that would, you know, perk your interest, let's say? I think, you know, Serge, Serge has played amazing, right? Serge has played great. 
can we would we be surprised if Serge maintained this level for the entire season and playoffs? I think I'd be surprised if that happened. Like I'm getting used to Serge playing well, but I can't really say that if, you know, two months from now, Serge started to struggle. I can't say that I'd be that surprised. So then my question is, OG isn't an all-star yet. Serge has played good for the first month and a bit of the season. Would you then give up Serge and OG and a number one for an all-star? I think that's too much. I would try to take back one of those assets, at least probably the number one pick or, well, probably OG, but I think that's a lot. I think that's a lot. But hey, it's interesting. It's interesting, right? Because you think of if your lineup then was Kyle, Danny Green, OG, Serge, or not OG, what am I talking about? You just traded OG. Sorry. Kyle, Bradley Beal, Danny Green, Kawhi, and JV. It's a pretty good team. And Monroe slides into that backup big guy spot. It's a pretty good team. Just saying. Or maybe Danny Green comes off your bench and you start Pascal. You got options. It's kind of interesting. But I don't know. What do people think about Danny Green? How good is Danny Green? Uh, someone on Instagram here says that's way too much for Bradley Beal. I, I think I tend to agree. That is a lot. That is a lot. And I don't know how much of that Washington stink <laughs> would remain with Danny or with, uh, with Bradley Beal if he came over to the Raptors. It's a lot of years of just like bad locker room, just stench. So I don't know if you want that around this Raptors team right now. Uh, another comment here. Oh, my guy Ken says, OVO greater than The Rock. Come on, Kenny. You know I can't agree to that. I can't agree to that. I'm a rock representer. I can't agree with that. Um, going back to another comment here, I'm just bouncing back and forth. Again, I'm taking comments from both places on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander and on Twitter at Shell Alexander. Um, this comment, again, in reference to Bradley Beal, says Beal wouldn't fit because he's got ego issues. I mean, it's 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 tough. I don't know what's going on in that Washington locker room i think the washington locker room has just been a cesspool of negativity and they didn't really fix it much by bringing in guys like austin rivers and dwight howard who's still out with an ass injury of some point of some sort and i'm not making that up look it up dwight howard is out with an ass injury i don't know what the technical term is i saw it it's like gluteus something <laughs> but my point is that team, I don't know if Bradley Beal's a problem. I don't know if John Wall's a problem. But, I mean, we heard last year that most of the other guys thought that the, the issue was John Wall. So how much does that affect Bradley Beal and make him kind of a bad piece as well? You know, like, would a change of scenery work for him? I don't know. Not really sure. I'd also be afraid with, of messing with this Raptors team as well. Because you're already... Like, it's already taking you, you're 20 games in, Kawhi is still working his way through, right? And you're still gelling that team. Would you then risk adding another huge piece like that? It's interesting, but it'd be a huge risk. And as uh, someone here says, but how good could Beal be with the Raps? Could he be better? Possibly. 
I mean, because as bad as I think the organization and the locker room is in Washington, the Raptors kind of have the op the opposite issue, right? The Raptors locker room is a great place. These guys seem to be having a lot of fun. I mean, Serge, I got to watch Serge's latest uh, cooking episode. Danny Green was on it, right? Danny Green and someone else was on with him. But it looks like these guys all like each other, right? These guys, they were all at uh, Disney World or Disneyland, whichever one it was recently. Like, these guys like each other. I don't know if that would have a positive effect if you brought in Bradley Beal into the equation. Does that change things? Does that rejuvenate him? He's obviously a knockdown shooter, one of the top shooting guards in the league, and can shoot threes. But I don't know if you, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's definitely a tough one. But I do think that one package that was floated online, and again, that's not a real trade rumor or anything. That's just like internet gossip, rumor, making up, like trying to make contracts work and all that crap. I definitely don't think Masai would do that. I think that's too many assets to give up for Bradley Beal. I also don't think the Wizards would trade Bradley Beal to the Raptors, a team that they've obviously had history with over the years. But hey, who knows? Also, too, why are we talking about trying to mess with this Toronto Raptors team, <laughs> right? Overall, why do we want to mess with this Toronto Raptors team? Things are good. 16-4, and four, best start in franchise history. Raptors are the top team in the NBA. Like, this team is, is really good. And as good as they look right now, they're pretty much at full strength. I put this team up against any team in the league. Let's go. I think they would have a good run against anybody in the league. And, you know, yes, that anyone that I'm saying is going to get a pretty solid test coming up. I mean, Miami is the next game. They play Miami on Sunday. That will be an interesting matchup. Miami's a team that, you know, they they have solid players, but they're a well-coached team. They're a well-prepared team. So that'll be a tough game. That game's on Sunday at 6 o'clock. But then next week, you're talking Tuesday night against in Memphis. Memphis is off to an unbelievable start. They were at last check, I think, first place in the Western Conference. Again, First place in the Western Conference, which I'm going to double check that because I think Memphis might have lost today to the Clippers. Last I saw that game was going into overtime, but I didn't see how it ended. But as I pull up the NBA standings, and of course, when I pull up the NBA standings, it freezes. But uh, the Grizzlies are now, wow, the Western Conference standings, if you want to see how interesting things are out West, there are four teams right now at 12 and 6 tied for first in the West. Portland, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, and the Thunder. And the Clippers and Grizzlies played today. The Clippers won. And so you have a four-way tie atop the Western Conference. And so I'm saying next week, the Raptors get a great test against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are playing well. Like, they're playing great as of late. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10. Mike Connolly Jr. is healthy. And when Mike Connolly Jr. is healthy, that team is playing really well, right? Because... Now you're pairing him with another, like he's an all-star himself when healthy, and so is Marcus Gasol in the middle. So that'll be an interesting test for the Raptors just to see how they match up there because the past few times we've seen the Raptors have to play against a legit big guy, those are the interesting tests. I want to see how those games are played, right? How the Raptors match up. And that's another test for the depth just to see how, like who you can play in that game. Maybe that's a game where Greg Monroe is more valuable because he's a bigger body, another big body to throw at Marcus Gasol. That's super interesting. 
And that's just Tuesday. If we skip ahead to Thursday, you got the Golden State Warriors in town. And that's a game that everyone's going to be super hyped for because that's a game where if the Raptors come out and win that game, maybe that's when the rest of the country realizes that this Raptors team is an actual problem, right? And that Masai Ujiri wasn't crazy for trading away DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, which I, I said at the time the trade happened that everyone's forgetting about Danny Green and he's pretty good. I think we're all realizing that now. But my point is, enjoy the team we got now. This is great. And a big win for the Raptors. And again, I like looking at the, the comparisons and trying to make a link between the team the Raptors played and what that represents to what the Raptors are doing now. And Washington's a great example of a team that just keeps bringing back the same core over and over again. And they're kind of stuck in the mud. In comparison to the Raptors, who decided to make that move, switch things up, and now they're seeing the fruits of their labor. Off to the best start, 20-game start in franchise history. Big week ahead. Again, Miami on Sunday, the Grizzlies on Tuesday, and the Golden State Warriors on Thursday. I don't think Steph will be back. Maybe Draymond will be back for that game. I could see that. Uh, that game's in Toronto, so I'd expect Drake to be there as well for that game. So I would assume if Draymond is able, he will definitely suit up for that. Because that's the other part of this Raptors team now and where they're at. They're getting circled on other teams' calendars, right? Other teams, you're going to get other teams' best games, but especially a team like Golden State, they're coming in ready for that game. So... Great time, Raptor fans. What a time to be alive, I guess, as a, a wise man once said. Toronto Raptors win their fourth in a row over the Washington Wizards, 125-107. Again, Raptors win their fourth game in a row to improve to 16-4, their best start in franchise history. Thanks, as always, for joining me. My name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter, at Shell Alexander, and on Instagram, Sheldon Alexander. And as always, this is the Wrap It Up podcast, which you can join me live on both of those entities I just named. But also, it becomes a podcast, which you can also find the Ball on Blast podcast, which is a more NBA wide conversation that I do each and every Friday morning with my guy Andrew Webster. You can find that same place you find this, the podcast version, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on Google Play. Just search On Blast Podcast. Again, special shout out to the YouTube people. The comments are crazy each and every game. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's a lot of fun to read and, and get the feedback from the fans because that's all we're trying to build here, right? We want to hear from you. This is just a space of, you know, tonight it's just me. But on other nights, it's me and one of my friends just talking ball. And we're just opening that conversation up to everyone else as a place that Raptors fans can come to and discuss and be heard because their team is legit, right? And we want to be heard. So I'm glad that you chose to do that with me on this little thing we like to call the Wrap It Up podcast. Because as a wise man once said, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps postgame show. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Boom, blast.